Good morning and welcome to Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts. I'm Rabbi Stephen Garten. Just a few weeks ago, toward the end of May, I spent 10 wonderful days in the Holy Land. And while the beginning of my journey in the state of Israel uh, was focused on visiting friends, the last four and a half days, I participated in a very unusual event. On the top of the Mount of Beatitudes, I was one of nearly a hundred rabbis, eight cardinals of the Catholic Church, numerous bishops and archbishops and priests who had been invited to a Catholic Jewish um, convivience sponsored by the Neocatechumenical Way. Um, this was the second convivience. The first one took place two years prior. Now, what makes this especially interesting is not the coming together of rabbis and um, clergy of another faith, and there were a sprinkling of lay people, but of course, the history of the Jewish people and the Catholic Church, especially uh, prior to 1965, is... Um, not a history of dialogue. As some of you will remember, in 1965, Nostra Aetate was signed as part of the Vatican II celebration. It read in part, in our time when day by day mankind is being drawn closer together, the ties between different peoples are becoming stronger. The church examines more closely her relationship with non-Christian religions. Of course, prior to 1965, a wide spectrum of anti-Jewish accusations accumulated over centuries um, were part and parcel of both the Catholic Church and mainstream Christianity's uh, historical relationship with the Jewish people. I'm going to offer some of them as they were enunciated at Vatican II. These were past accusations that the church was now coming to grips with, that the Jews were collectively and perpetually blameworthy for Jesus' death, that the Jews' tribulations in history were God's punishment of them for killing Jesus. That Jesus originally came to preach to Jews alone, but rejected by them, abandoned them for Gentiles instead. That the Jews were God's original chosen people by virtue of an ancient covenant, but by rejecting Jesus forfeited the chosenness. 
that through a new covenant, a testament, Christians displaced Jews as God's chosen people, the church now becoming the people of God. That the Jews' Bible, known to Christianity as the Old Testament, repeatedly portrays their opaqueness, stubbornness, and disloyalty to God. That the Jews' Bible is replete with predictions of Jesus' coming as Messiah, Christ, yet Jews have remained blinded to the meaning of their own scripture. That by the time of Jesus' ministry, Judaism had ceased to be a living faith, that Judaism's essence is restrictive and burdensome legalism, that in opposition to that, Christianity emphasizes love, Judaism justice, and a God of wrath, and that Judaism's oppressiveness reflects the disposition of Jesus' opponents called the Pharisees, who historically we identify as the predecessors of the rabbis whose teaching and behavior were hypocritical. But since 1965, the church, particularly the Catholic Church, in response to Nostra Aetate in 65, and then the guidelines published again in 1974 and 1985 in the notes on the correct way to present the Jews of Judaism in preaching and the catechism of the Roman Catholic Church, here are the contrasts. The death of Jesus cannot be blamed upon all the Jews then living without distinction nor upon the Jews today. That Catholics should always keep in mind that Jewish ancestry of Jesus, his mother, the apostles, and many disciples proclaiming the gospel. That a viable Judaism continued to develop after Jerusalem's destruction in 70 and 135. The Catholic Church should be perceived as extending the Old Testament, not radically replacing it. That Judaism should no longer be seen in terms of legalism, fear, and justice, devoid of love of God and humanity. That Jesus' teachings were often consistent with those of fellow Jewish teachers. That Catholics should strive to understand the significance in Jewish theology of the bond between the Israelite people and the Holy Land that Catholics should strive to better comprehend the manner in which Jews identify themselves and by what essential traits the Jews define themselves in the light of their own religious experience. And finally, in this litany of post-1965 contrast, that Catholicism prohibits harboring, expressing, or condoning anti-Semitism of any kind. And the popes of the Catholic Church have monitored these changes. I would remind you that um, John the Twenty-Third, um, living between 1958 and 1963, Paul the Sixth, 63 to 1978, John Paul the First for that singular year, John Paul II, 1978 to 2005, Benedict the who retired in 2013, and Pope Francis, who remains the living embodiment of the See of Paul. Quite a contrast between those two documents, both prepared, I would suggest, by scholars in response to the changes. So, finding myself on the hill Uh, the Mount of Beatitudes, with a number of Christian clergy, I thought it would be interesting to speak uh, 
about that journey. And I have invited a guest to speak with me this morning, Father Isidoro Tomassoni, a Roman Catholic Italian priest um, who, since 1977, has been part of the neocatechumenical way. Um, and I will let him explain what that means. In his earlier years, um, 40 years ago, he met the neocatechumenical way in India. Um, and he was a young priest of 27 sent to study comparative religions. He spent three and a half years there. Then it was off to Australia and South Africa and two years. And now for 27 years, he has been a priest in Canada serving in the Quebec City area. Welcome, Father, to Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts. It's nice to have you with us on this Sunday morning. Um, perhaps you can share with our listeners a little bit about yourself and your ministry. Okay. Uh, I'm a Roman Catholic uh, priest, Italian. I come from a, a city which is Bergamo, for close to Milan. Uh, I've been in contact with the Neocatechumenal Way for almost 40 years. Uh, in 1977... I have been invited to go to India. I was there uh, as a priest at the same time as a student. I was studying comparative religions. And uh, it is there that I met uh, for the first time with this neocatechumenal way experience. And uh, since then, I spent a few years in India, three and a half years. I was sent to Australia for five years as well, all over Australia. I was a few years in uh, South Africa, few years in the United States, and now at present is almost 26 years that I spent almost eight, eight months in Canada and going back to Italy almost three times uh, per year. I do my uh, ministry now in Canada, in Canada, and with the team I am responsible for uh, this neocatechumenal way all over in Canada. This is a bit... Uh, and my, myself, I am 67 now, and I'm still, uh, God willing, in good shape. Oh, wonderful. Well, it was a pleasure to meet you in Israel, and I'm, I'm sure that uh, our listeners would like you to spend a bit of time talking about the neo-catechumenical way um, yeah. and making um, it more uh, clear to them how that fits within the Roman Catholic Church and how it might be different than some of the normative um, understandings they have of the uh, local parish or the local church. Yes. Um, this neo-catechumenal way, I just explained the word which is uh, very difficult. Neo means new. Catechumenal, you know, in the early church, uh, there was only one way to enter the church for a pagan that was called the catechumenate, which is a, what was a, it was an ongoing process of years, depends on five or three years, that was preparing the pagans to be baptized. And they and would be baptized only if there were signs that their life, uh, ways of life was changing seriously, radically. And, and does and, Paul speak about that? And it's called, uh, it was called the catechumenate. 
Uh-huh. The catechumenate. So this experience was born uh, immediately after the Council Vatican II, 50 years ago. Uh-huh. And uh, because this was born among a context of people already baptized, Catholic, could not be called catechumenate. So they said, call it new catechumenate. For this reason, we call it in English neo-catechumenal way. So it's a, it's an ongoing process to have the people who are already baptized or those who are not baptized to understand our faith. And so it's an ongoing process of many years, actually, and it's done within the parishes, but in small communities for the people who feel the need to deepen their faith, to understand more, more their belief. And so in the parishes, this um, path to deepening their faith would uh, take place on the Sunday services, or would it be a parallel learning and spiritual process to the usual Sunday services? Yes. Um, This is part of, we can say, the pastoral work within the parish for those priests who feel the need to help the people to go deeper. Because uh, what the the normal parish does in the parish is for people who already have a certain level of faith. We can say they are adult Christians. So the pastor who wants this experience, he knows he has to open a special uh, place, we can say. We can sometimes use the expression like in a hospital, there are the normal patients, right. they, they are treated according to their needs, but there is a, an intensive care as well for those who are more sick. So we can say that this neocardiocumenal way is for those who are a bit, either they are far away from the church, they want to come back, and they want to understand a bit uh, what is going on. And usually we have, uh, we say we walk on three legs. There is the celebration of the world once uh, a week, uh, Usually it's Tuesday or Wednesday mm-hmm. in a small community, and this uh, of the celebration of the world is fundamental, and uh, this helps us to go back to our roots to understand the history of salvation, the the, the, the Jewish experience of, of salvation, and uh, this is celebrated in a small community. It's not much uh, to study the word of God or the Scripture, but to let the word of God, who is proclaimed the assembly, interpret our personal life to, to help us to understand. Because, you know, the, the, the psalm says that the Word of God is like a light, it's like the rain right. that comes down and helps us to see where we are, what we are living, our problems, our struggles, uh, you know, our difficulties in our everyday life. So this is once a week a celebration of the Word, which is prepared in turn by different uh, groups uh, within the community. And then we have, uh, on Saturday night, we celebrate the Eucharist, that the parishes celebrate either on Saturday night Uh or on Sunday night. Why the Saturday night? Because on Sunday night, we have a celebration, a domestic celebration with the family to help uh, to uh, transmit faith to the children. You know, one of the great uh, defeat uh, challenges, uh, I think, is for both uh, Catholic and Jewish people today, is to transmit faith to the next generation. It's Absolutely. 
And this was one of the topics we have been dealing with, uh, not this meeting, this time we had the meeting in, in uh, gallery uh, two years ago, how we can transmit our faith to the next generation. And so we do it on Sunday in the family. So the father of the family, the mother, they gather the children, they play songs, they are sang the songs, because we have a beautiful music to to be able to memorize even the psalms, to pray with the psalms. This is something we have learned from, from the Jewish tradition. Right. And then they open a word for the children, usually it's from the Old Testament, which is most easy for the children, because, you know, the, the scripture is made of history, of, of events, of people. And, so, and then the, we ask the children, what is this word saying to you? If we speak about Abraham, we say, this experience of Abraham, for you, what does it mean for you? And so the father dialogues with the children, helping them to understand the read the Word of God and to be enlightened about the, the difficulties in, in life. And then there is a moment of prayer, there is a moment where we share even uh, the sign of peace, if in the family with the children or the parents, they have some conflicts during the week. Eh? Mm-hmm. And so, and then the day, the meal at table is prepared in a very solemn way. Eh? The table is well prepared, the food is special on Sunday, because we have to recover the day of the Lord. But for you, is the, the, the Saturday. Right. And so, this one part uh, as well of this uh, initiation of faith, which is called the New Catechism Way. And, and then there is once a month, the, the community meets on Sunday, one full day, and there we share the experience of the, the whole month together. We, we together pray together, and we spend the whole day together. This is a bit the pattern that goes on for many years. But in, during this year, there are some steps, we call them steps, moments, where we relieve our baptism by steps. So at the end of this journey, it's not that we uh, redo the baptism, no. We just uh, relieve it in a very more conscious way, so people become a bit more about uh, faith. And do um, members of the way um, re-baptize themselves after? No, 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 absolutely not. Because as I said, the baptism is valid. Maybe it was not alive, it was not effective. Right. So this way, it helps to awaken our baptism. But it's not that we baptize again, absolutely right. not. So that's a fascinating word, to reawaken the baptism. Yeah, reawaken. And you know, one thing that we do in, in this Neocatechumenal way all over the world, when we baptize the children, we do it by immersion. Because that was the experience of the early church, and not just pouring some water on the head, as we do usually. Ah, so you and immerse, you have a full body immersion. A full body immersion. In a, in rather a than what we see at baptism today in the more normative church, which yes. is the pouring of holy water over the baby's forehead. Exactly, exactly. And, and another, another yes, important uh, point of reference in this way is uh, uh, having discovered the Easter Vigil. You know, all the movement of the renewal of the liturgy in the Catholic Church, it started with the rediscovering the, the Easter Vigil, 
that was to, to understand the, how you, the Jewish people, were celebrating Passover. Right. Because uh, the, the, the night that Jesus Christ was, was, was celebrated with the disciples, he was not having just a friendly meal, having a pizza with the friends because he was going to die. He was celebrating the Jewish Passover. Right. And unless we understand the Jewish Passover, we cannot understand what Jesus Christ was doing in that night at table with the disciples. And, you know, we celebrated the Passover, the Easter Passover, the whole night, starting right. on Saturday at 12 o'clock till early in the morning at 6 o'clock, and we finished with the, with the meal. And, so, and Father... Is it through the Passover that it has led the neo-catechumenical way, catechumenal way, to yes. find its path to dialogue with the Jewish people, or is there more to the pa to it than just the Passover story? No, because because to understand our faith, we have to go back to our roots. Right, and we can, and we if we speak about faith in the Catholic Church. Right. We have to refer to Abraham, because uh, Abraham is the, 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 is the father in faith, not only for the Jewish people, even for the Christians. So the faith of Abraham, which is different from the religiosity, which is something good. All the religions right. have, have a pattern of religiosity, of relating to God, of uh, uh, asking God to, to, uh, I don't know, to solve our problems, our difficulties. But with Abraham, what we understand is that it's God who intervenes in the life of Abraham. It's not much Abraham looking for a God and to find solution to his life. And so we, we, we have to rediscover our faith looking at Abraham. For this reason, uh, Christianity and the Jewish uh, uh, religion, uh, if we can call it, it's not a real religion. It's some mo something more historical, geographical. And this leads us to, uh, to, to uh, this uh, helps to understand why we have this love for the land of Israel, because uh, our, our, faith, our faith is based on geography, on history. And people. so that's what led us to uh, Israel together. And when we yeah. were in Israel, um, there were many wonderful experiences, but one of the ones that I wanted to ask you about was... Um, on the Mount of Beatitudes was not only the Domus where the conference was, but there are many uh, seminarians who come to study. Yeah. And um, they study the language of Hebrew more intensively yeah. than most Christian clergy, whether they're Catholic or Protestant or others. And, exactly. and um, what is the hope um, of the way for... Um, the the seminarians to know Hebrew so well because their Hebrew, both their modern and biblical Hebrew, was exemplary um, and outstanding. So, um, what is the hope um, that emerges from their intensive study of Hebrew? You know, uh, one of the fruit of this neo-Catechumen way is uh, first of all of the building the families uh, helping the people to recover their faith. Right. But need the, there's something that came out uh, along the years that we have to renew the clergy as well because we need a new, a new clergy to help the people to understand the more the renewal of the Council, 
can serve Vatican II. Right. So, out of this you know, the criminal way, at present, there are uh, 115 Redemptoris Mater seminaries all over the world. Here in Canada, we have three. We have one in, uh, in Toronto, one in Quebec City, and one in Vancouver. And the formation of the, these are normal diocesan international uh, missionary seminaries. But in all these seminaries, the formation uh, is based on scripture, for sure, on the word of God. And so not all uh, learn uh, Hebrew, uh-huh. but all of us are in touch with the, the scripture. So those who go to Israel, because we have the seminary there, right. the Mount of Beati, they are lucky because they can learn Hebrew as well. Right. We would like that all could learn Hebrew to have a, a to say, more appropriate access to the scripture. And so, as I said, this is preparing priests uh, all over the world that have a different, first of all, a different attitude towards uh, Judaism. And secondly, a more, uh, to say, serious, uh, deeper understanding of the Word of God, if possible, uh, learning uh, Hebrew as well. And we don't have um, a significant amount of time left, and that's wonderful because you've shared with us so much. But I'm wondering, in this second gathering of Jews and Catholics, including uh, cardinals and priests and some lay people, uh, mostly yeah. rabbis. Um, did you find this to be a successful gathering? Um, um, and did it meet the needs that had been established for bringing Jews um, together with members of the way? They were successful. Uh, <laughs> not so much. Uh, I don't know if it's the correct word. It's the second time that... Uh, there is such a kind of meeting right. uh, that has no uh, special claims. Uh, you know, Kiko Arguello was right. the one uh, that you right. saw the, the initiator of this in you know, the human way. Right, he's he one of the founders of it. The found is the founder, uh, along with the lady, right. Carmen Hernandez, already passed away. Yes. He just uh, answered to the request of rabbis in Israel, to meet together, because, uh, you know, the, the, the rabbis in Israel, they understood that on this place uh, here in Damascus, there is something new going on. That is not so much uh, in all the church, you know. The process uh, after the, the Nostra Etate, the relationship with the Jewish people, is a very slow process, where all the prejudices and the barriers start falling down. For right. us in the West, is here because... Uh, we are obliged, I say, to to go back to the roots, and so it helps us and all the communities all over the world. But the process is a very slow process. Even, I imagine even in the, the Jewish uh, communities, uh, this process is slower than what we do with such a meetings that we have uh, in the Domus Gallery. So, for sure, it, there will be fruits about, of, of this meeting. We don't know the future. Uh, very good. Meetings again. So but, one of uh, the fruits, of course, is um, our relationship and our ability to chat with each other as we do this morning. Uh, and, yeah, for sure. Uh, for and sure. I know that you have a wonderful relationship with Rabbi Purton in uh, Montreal. Yes. And yes. that you have been traveling the breadth of this wonderful country of Canada, um, sharing the gospel as you understand it. 
Um, yes. Do you think, um, I think we have about 30 seconds left, do you think that there will be another ga gathering in um, Israel? At the end of the meeting, uh, people were wishing to continue with such kind of meetings. And so I hope that there will be eventually a new meeting in, uh, at the Domus Galilee in Israel, for sure. Well, I hope so as well. It was a fascinating experience, and um, I hope we've been able to convey to our listeners this morning a little bit about the experience in Israel and why it touched so many people, both Jewish and Catholic people. Um, and I thank you for spending this morning with me on the radio. Uh, a pleasure. For, yeah, my pleasure. Um, and I look forward to us meeting again, uh, perhaps in Ottawa. Okay, God willing. Oh, okay. God willing. All right, for Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts, this is Rabbi Stephen Garten wishing you a good day. Shalom. Shalom aleinu,